Thank you. I was just telling Nikki I was a little worried no one here would know who I am, so at least three of you do. Um, my name is Tyler Ruane, and uh, I am really, really excited to be here. Uh, normally, uh, I spend my days um, teaching second grade at Hanson Elementary in Cedar Falls. I don't know if there's any Hanson alum out there, but uh, yeah, no? You looked really enthused about it. Oh, awesome. <laughs> um, I have a wife, Megan, who's in the back, and then I have three boys, um, Landon, Dawson, and Ashton. And um, before this school year, yeah, there they are right there. Um, before this school year, my wife and I spent the previous 11 years of our life hanging out with high school or junior high students on Wednesday nights. It's just what we did. Um, we volunteered, and it was, it was awesome. If it was a Wednesday night, um, we knew what we had in store for us, all right? We were going to eat a delicious homemade meal at church. Um, we were going to snack on my all-time favorite popcorn. Um, we were going to rock out to some amazing songs like we already did. Wow, those first, amazing. Um, we were going to listen to someone much smarter than me teach us about Jesus. And then we capped it all off with some of my all-time favorite memories um, in our amazing small groups. Uh, we loved Wednesday nights, and we had so many fond memories of those. And about a year ago, um, we had our third son, Ashton, and uh, three kids now. We started thinking, like, we might be coming to that stage of our life where we just kind of have to take a break from that on Wednesday nights and uh, maybe spend some more time with our family. And now anytime someone resigns from, like, a position or things like that, they always say it's to spend more time with their family. But I always wonder, do they really mean it? And I think you're probably wondering that right now. And I want to gain your trust, so I have proof that we have spent more time with our family. I've got some pictures here on our adventures. This first one you already saw. Um, we went to Isla Mujeres, Mexico uh, for my sister-in-law's wedding. And to kind of gain your trust a little bit again, I have a secret to tell you. We didn't take Ashton. It looks like we did in the picture. If you see that guy in the front. But I figured out on my computer there's this technology where you can take a photo of someone else and put it in another photo. And it completely tricked you guys. You had no idea. Um, it was a blast. We went there on spring break, and that was our latest adventure. I've got some more photos. Those ones haven't been tampered with, okay? So here's, here's the next one. We wanted our kids to see the world, and so we went to a very small country, Wakanda. Uh, there's T'Challa, my, uh, my friend in the middle there, and our boys kind of snuck into the shot. I don't know if you can see them down there, but it's a cool country. If you ever get a chance to visit, you should check it out. And uh, we also heard that the U.S. curling team was going to be pretty good, so we head to South Korea. We got this picture right there. Uh, Ashton got to see a gold medal. I mean, how many times do you see that? With, never with U.S. curling. So that was pretty exciting. Uh, the Super Bowl was super close. It was in Minnesota. We didn't have to go to South Korea, so we went there. Uh, that's my middle son, Dawson. He's a big Trolls fan, and at this time, JT wasn't singing that, so he was kind of disgusted. But uh, New Year's Eve, my wife's brother lives in New York, so we went there. This guy's like pretty famous, I think. I don't know his name, but uh, we just ran into him. I think we got a picture. It was pretty fun. And then uh, our first adventure, our time off, we got to hang out with our friend Taylor. And uh, here's, uh, yeah, yeah. And ever since he was in that video, he's picked up this phrase, like, look what you made me do. And he just keeps saying it over and over again. I don't know why. But uh, that 
was a summary of our adventures, and I think I've gained your trust now. Like, I really did spend more time with our family. But um, now that I've caught you up on the past year, I want to zoom in on one of those experiences. I mentioned at the beginning of my year in review that my family and I went to Isla Mujeres, Mexico for my sister-in-law's wedding, and we stayed at an all-inclusive resort. And if you've ever stayed at an all-inclusive resort, everything is free, unlimited. So like, we had a long day of travel. We got up at like 4 a.m., we traveled until 1 p.m. to get there, and I was just done. So I sat down and I took down like four racks of ribs, uh, about 10 chicken wings, um, let me think here. I made a list just to make sure. It was, I had french fries. Oh, they had like a nacho bar, which was amazing, just right when I got there. And it was this way all week. There was a ice cream machine, which with two, a six-year-old and a four-year-old boy and myself, we could have ice cream sundaes for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. It was awesome. Uh, it was just on the whole time. We had snorkeling, paddleboarding, kayaking, and that was all just steps away from our hotel room. Um, it doesn't get much better than that week in Mexico. And here's the crazy thing. With all of the amazingness around me, I still had this feeling of wanting to go home. And for me, nothing can beat home. Not even that paradise in Mexico. I have my comfy spot on my couch. I have the perfect pillow, even though it's, it's really dirty. My wife does not like it, but it's just perfect. I won't get rid of it. It's super old. Um, and I know exactly where my Oreos are. I've got them right there. They're not hidden or anything. And to work the remote, I don't need like a PhD or anything. I could not work the remote in Mexico to save my life. Um, it's just perfect, all right? And I was in paradise, but I just couldn't wait to get home. And in Christianity, that's where we kind of are with heaven and earth. We think we can find paradise here on earth, but nothing here on earth can even come close to eternal life in heaven. We're just trying to get home. And Jesus talks about this place that we're trying to get to in John chapter 14. And that's what we're going to be in all tonight is John chapter 14. So if you want to open your Bibles right now or get the phones out, it's one chapter. That's what we'll be in all night. I'm going to take it kind of in chunks, though. And if you have the old-fashioned book Bible, open it up in half. Look for Matthew, Mark, Luke, and there's John. And we're going to start. I like to get, keep things simple. So it's going to be right in verse 1. And we're just taking verse 1 through 4 to start off here. <clears throat> and if you got your Bibles out, I'm going to start John chapter 14, verse 1. It starts like this. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am you may, all, you may be also, and you know the way to where I am going. And here, Jesus is talking to his disciples during his last days before dying for everyone's sins on the cross. He's telling them all about this place where there are many rooms, and he is preparing a place for each one of us. However... I don't think Jesus is talking about making sure he has, like, the perfect bedroom for us, you know? It's got the endless supply of Halloween Oreos, my perfect pillow, the Zac Efron posters on the walls. I don't think that's what he's talking about. I'm so sorry. But I think he's talking about how he has a space for our soul 
to live after our life here on earth. It's a space that we were meant to live out eternity with him. We just have to know the way to get home to this space. And Jesus goes on to tell his disciples about the way back home. But before he can get too into the details, we get an amazing moment of truth. The, lesson, the whole lesson tonight is I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I know there is at least one person in this gym tonight that is investigating whether or not this Bible is real. And if Jesus really is the right way or not, it's a great question as you are working to kind of make your faith your own. And it has to be one of the most asked, if not the most asked question in the history of the world. And check out what happens here. We're going to dive right back in John chapter 14 where we left off. It's verse 5 now. And it reads like this. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak of my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am the Father, and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Now, I know when I'm telling a story, I make sure not to tell any of the parts where I've like royally screwed up, all right? I tell the parts where the other three people screwed up, but I make sure the part where I screwed up stays out. No one hears about it. Here, we have Thomas questioning Jesus on where he is going, and Philip questioning who Jesus really is. Jesus should be overly frustrated at this point because he has told these dudes hundreds of times who he is and that he is leaving, and yet Thomas and Philip decide to question him one more time. I, my question is, how do Thomas and Philip allow this to make the final cut of the Bible? If I was one of those two dudes, I would have thought of anything to get John to leave this part out. I don't want it to ever see the light of day. I don't want to be those guys who question Jesus. And I don't know whether Thomas or Philip made any effort to get their failures left out of the Bible or not, but either way, they made their way into the Bible because the Bible is completely true. Every detail of the Bible is true, and Jesus only spoke the truth. I'm amazed at how anyone investigating the Bible could possibly end their investigation doubting the validity of the Bible because it has stood the test of time, and not a single hole has been poked in it over all these years of existence. The Bible is a book that we can trust wholeheartedly. And this book has Jesus telling his disciples in verse 6 that he is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. That's how we can get home. And Jesus isn't just the way. He's the only way we can get home. Now, if you're anything like me, you do not believe there is only one way to do things. I have used the line, there is more than one way to Walmart, just about every day since I have heard the phrase. I love this phrase because it helps me believe that I can do things on my own. There's always another way. 
for as long as I can remember, whenever someone tells me to do something a certain way, I immediately think of a different way to do it, to prove to them that I don't need their help and my way is better. We're driving, my wife tells me that Green Hill is faster way to Walmart, no way, I'm taking the highway and I'm gonna prove that it's faster. Back in school, my math teacher would tell me to show my work, there's no way I'm showing my work, teach. And it's come back to haunt me as a teacher now, I've got those kids now, <laughs> but um, um, ever since my childhood years, I've been out to prove that I don't need anyone's help to accomplish things. I have seen needing help as a weakness and asking for help, not even an option. This mindset though, became a real problem during my junior year in high school when I started taking my first investigative steps in my faith. And as I explored this whole Christianity thing, I desperately wanted to find a way to get to heaven without any help. I truly thought I could do it on my own. I believed in myself. I can remember weighing the good that I've done in my life against the bad. And I would get so bummed out when I messed up because I thought I lost my shot at getting into heaven. The list of mistakes in my life never stopped growing. In high school, one of my favorite things, well, it was bad, but I crashed my car into our basketball hoop and I somehow hid it from my mom that I did it for a year. There was a huge dent on the side. I just made sure she never walked on that side of the car. It was a remarkable feat, I thought, but I kind of wondered what God thought of my actions. And then even earlier in my life to where I was in like fifth grade, I taught my little brother to try and throw baseballs over the house like I did. There was no way he could do it. So he threw the first one, shattered the window, just smoked it. Uh, my parents were upset, and I had a chance to like, speak up, say, oh, I, this was me. Nope, let him take the fall. Laughed about it for weeks. Yeah, I, I don't know how God saw that one either. But all my mistakes never stopped piling up, and eventually I got to thinking that I just couldn't overcome these sins no matter how much good I did. I always envisioned that moment where I die, when I got to the gates of heaven, only be, be stopped by like a security guard or someone, and he'd tell me that the quiz I cheated on in intro psych my senior year put my numbers at 51% bad, 49% good, and I just missed out on my ticket to heaven, just short of being good enough. And as I think about that now, <laughs> that's such a silly way of thinking. A sinner gaining eternal life all on their own. It's pretty crazy. However, Maybe, I started thinking, maybe it wasn't, it was just me that wasn't good enough to gain eternal life on my own. How about someone who is actually making a difference in the world? Now listen to this resume, and you tell me if you think they can get home all on their own. This person has won four Grammys, including one for best rap performance, started a hit TV show that is still shown on TV 20 years after it aired for six seasons, won four MTV Movie Awards, that's a big deal, has two Academy Award nominations. This person has traveled to Ethiopia to help with water projects, put on an AIDS benefit concert in George, South Africa, is in the Guinness Book of World Records, and saved our planet from an alien invasion multiple times. Now, when this guy dies someday and rattles off this list of accomplishments to the security guard outside the gates of heaven, there's no way he's not getting into this party, right? But I have to remind this guy and everyone. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I got a picture of who this guy is. Not even, is it coming? Yes. Will 
Smith. He can't get home without Jesus. Just think about that for a second. There's not a single party here on earth that he can't get into. Four Grammys, countless charity work, and I can't ever leave out how he has stopped alien invasions multiple times in his movies. But he's not getting home without Jesus. I don't know about you, but that did it for me. If Will Smith can't get home on his own, there's no way I am. I need help. And it's not a weakness to need help or even ask for help. Jesus lived the perfect, sinless life that even Will Smith couldn't live. Jesus yearns to help us all get home. He's prepared a place for both you and me where we can have a personal and meaningful relationship with him for eternity. He wants a relationship with us where he can push us to grow and we can ask him for help when it feels like it's all too much for us to handle. Now we know that we can't get home on our own. Will Smith couldn't, we can't. We need, to get, we need help to get there. And Jesus is the help that can get it done. So what do we do now? We're going to go back to John chapter 14. We're going to verses 12 through 14 now. So if you pop those Bibles back open, turn the phone on. John chapter 14, verses 12 through 14. reads like this. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. So we aren't saved by Jesus, and then we just wait to go to heaven. That's not how it works. That's not anything close to the plan he has for you or me. He wants us to live our lives, our broken lives. Giving your life over to Jesus and living for him doesn't keep you from living a broken life. It's still broken. We are all still sinners. And it may be tough for some of us to believe that others out there are living broken lives due to the invention of this thing called Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or Snapchat or more social media outlets that I haven't learned about yet. Um, these social media outlets allow us to see the highlight reels of people's lives. We do not see anyone's brokenness in their snap story. Instead, we see them living it up at a T-Swift concert or getting asked to prom by the boy they've always dreamed of going to prom with or being the last one standing in Fortnite for the very first time. There are not many snap stories out there that show a young teen listening to their parents fight and wondering if they're going to get a divorce or a girl getting dumped by the boy that she thought she was going to marry someday or the moment you open that letter from the college you've always wanted to attend and that letter tells you that you aren't good enough to go there. Those just don't make the snap stories for some reason. We live broken lives because this is a broken world. This isn't heaven where there is no sin. Sin has been around in this world since Adam and Eve were in the garden. God knows this. That's why he sent Jesus to die for our sins on the cross. That's why he guides us through our lives with so many opportunities of growth where we can be obedient to him. This is not a checklist faith. It's a faith where you get knocked down and you can get back up even stronger because of your relationship with Jesus. And I really don't want to skip over that last part in verse 13. Jesus talked about his father being glorified. 
how do we live our lives for Jesus and give the glory to God? And whenever I'm thinking of examples of people giving glory to God, it's just kind of how I wired, I always think about the athlete who lit, wins the championship and says all the glory goes to God. It doesn't happen with every championship win, but when it does, I'm amazed at how the athlete has reached the top of their sport. They put in all that work, and yet their number one priority is giving the glory to God. Now, this past NFL season was a crazy one. I don't know if you saw it, but the Philadelphia Eagles put together a pretty amazing regular season. Going into the third to last week of the regular season, almost to the playoffs, they were rolling. They had the MVP of the league at quarterback. His name was Carson Wentz. He was this unstoppable 24-year-old QB who defenses had no idea how to stop. And then, just before the playoffs, it came to a screeching halt. The young hotshot QB tore multiple leg ligaments in his knee, and his season was over. And the backup QB was a guy named Nick Foles, who actually thought about like quitting football and just going to do something else a couple years earlier. So they had no shot. He was this close to being done with the game just a couple years earlier. And the struggles had become too real for him, too much for him. But he didn't quit, and God, <clears throat> and God gave him and the Eagles an opportunity to bring glory to God, to do something that they could not do on their own. Nick Foles and the Philadelphia Eagles went on to beat Tom Brady and the New England Patriots, the kings of the NFL, in this past Super Bowl. I don't know if there's any Eagle fans out there, or pa sorry, Patriot fans, but. And Nick was one of the most humble athletes I have ever seen win a championship. He gave it all to God. I loved what he said at a press conference after winning the Super Bowl. So I'm going to read what he said. These are his words, not mine at all. And I think I might have had a slide for this, but yep. So he said, don't be afraid to fail. Failure is a part of life. It's about your character and growing. I wouldn't be up here without failing thousands of times and making mistakes. We are all human. We all have weaknesses. Through all this, just being able to share that and being transparent listening to people speak and hearing their weaknesses, I'm listening because I can resonate. I'm not perfect. I'm not Superman. I might be in the NFL, and we might have just won the Super Bowl, but we can still have, da we still have daily struggles. I still have daily struggles, and that's where my faith comes in. That's where my family comes in. When you look at a struggle in your life, that's just an opportunity for your character to grow. If something's going wrong in your life, embrace it. Because you are growing. Nick gave it all to God. He embraced the struggles and used them to grow with the help of God. Now, how many of us in this room have been interviewed on national TV after winning a big-time trophy or award? Not uh, a few, yeah, maybe, no. Not me, I know that. So how do I give glory to God without a bunch of cameras in my face. And I think the best way to give God the glory is to simply tell others, anyone around you, anyone who will listen or maybe not listen, just tell them about what he has done in your life. Think about some of your most successful moments in life. Do you have any idea how you accomplished them? I thought about some of mine. I hit one over-the-fence home run in my entire baseball career, played since T-ball, you know. I still have no idea how I did it. I don't even remember seeing the ball. I'm pretty sure my eyes were closed. 
I didn't do anything. But God put a coach in my life and gave, and gave that coach the knowledge and the drive to work with me every day during practice for weeks before that home run. Another accomplishment, one of my most proud ones, still don't know how it happened. I dated one girl in my entire life, and I somehow married her. I, again, have no idea how I got the chance to marry this girl. The only way to explain in this world how I got to marry a girl like Megan is just to give the glory to God. There's no way or logic to explain it, I promise. I've thought about it. God brought us together, and I thank him every day for that. Last little accomplishment here. Again, no idea. I worked three different part-time jobs in my entire life before I graduated college. Some people work like three part-time jobs in a semester. And I got fired from one of those jobs, so only two part-time jobs that I kept. Um, and then I had two interviews within my first two weeks of graduating college, and I somehow got job offers from both schools that I interviewed with. Again, no idea how it happened. I can't explain it. I can't take any of the credit for it. That's God once again having this crazy, amazing plan for each and every one of us. We all have these moments in our lives, the moments where God is too great to even explain, where God somehow pulls us through the most difficult of times, where God shows us a path that we know will be hard to stay on, but we also know it's the path that we need to take to get home. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets home except through him. If you don't know him, I ask you, give him a shot. And if you do know God, live your life for him and tell others about him. I'm going to pray and invite the band up here. Please join me in prayer. Dear Jesus, I thank you for everyone in the room tonight. It is so, so, so nice outside, so much nicer than last Wednesday, and uh, yet everyone here in this room decided to come here tonight, and it's, it's not because of me, it's not because any, uh, the band, sorry band, um, it's, because, it's because of you. They came here because they have questions about you. They want to learn about you. They want you maybe to help them through some of the toughest times they've ever had in their life. And there are just more tough times to come for some of them. So I just pray that you can move in them tonight. 